0: Here are your hosts, Brent and Chase Woolsey. Well, hello and welcome to My Investing Show. I'm Brent Woolsey, president of Woolsey Asset Management. Uh, also, Woolsey Asset Management is the proud investing partners of the San Diego Padres. We got a lot to talk about today. Uh, the employee report came out uh, on Friday. We're going to go over pretty much detail, a lot to talk about that. Uh, we also have the Jolts Report, Job Opening la- Labor Turnover Survey came out. Going to talk about that. Also, to discuss the work-from-home productivity, how that is going. And then with me is Chase. Chase, what do you got? Well,
1: good to be here as always. And uh, hey, you want to join the show? Phone number here, 833-288-0973. Again, that's 833 You got a stock. We call them companies, equities. You're looking at buying. Maybe you hold it. Maybe you're considering selling it we'll break down those fundamentals give you our opinion on it uh, based
0: off those valuations and the numbers we go through all right well let's uh, get started here talk about the employment report because it came out on friday the employment report showed non-farm payrolls increased 209,000 in the month of june which was well below the expectation of 240,000 payrolls were also revised lower by 110,000 in the months of april and may The report marked the slowest month for job creation since December, 2021. Payrolls fell by 268,000. Now, so far this year, we have seen a six month average of 278,000 in monthly job creation, which compares to the average of 399,000 in 2022. While all this may sound like bad news, I believe it remains positive as the labor market is softening. But it still remains strong. In fact, if we look back to 2018, job creation averaged 223,000 per month, and in 2019, well, that was just 176,000 uh, per month. Wage growth of the month was 4.4 percent compared to last year, which is in line with many readings this year and softer than last year's peak of 5.9% in March. Job growth remained strong in areas like healthcare and social assistance with 65,200 jobs uh, added, construction 23,000 and professional and business services 21,000 jobs.
1: You know, we talked a lot about construction and it continues to just be a, a really hot area and and I want to go back to those numbers we talked about in 2018-2019 because we always say numbers are all relative. When you actually fundamentally break mm-hmm. them, of course we're not going to continue growing at 300 400,000 jobs every <laughs> single month. That, that's just not going to happen. And that's why I really wanted to be sure we pointed out job creation and not 2022, not 2021, because those were such odd years because of the COVID recovery. We were recouping jobs. We weren't creating jobs. And we are creating jobs that's when it's going to get harder and harder. So that's why it's so important to understand the numbers and really compare against different types of environments because, as I said, 2021-2022 was so different. Did want to talk about, though, the, the growth in the leisure and hospitality sector. That's cooled down a bit, kind of going back again, down to the recoupment of those jobs. It was up just 21,000 in in the month of June. It still remains 2.2% or 369,000 jobs below where it was in February 2020. I I was a little bit disappointed there wasn't more recoupment in that industry, especially with how hot people eating at restaurants is and spending on those services is right now. I think we need more employment in that industry. Now government employment was a big gainer in the month as it added 60,000 jobs in the report. Generally don't like to see government jobs leading the charge, but the sector still remains 161,000 jobs below its February 2020 level. So we're still not where we were pre-COVID. I'm okay with seeing government jobs still kind of gaining because we're, again, recouping that sector.
0: And what they do, people have to realize, too, that's not just federal government jobs. That's mm-hmm. federal, state, local, many you know, municipalities, stuff like that.
1: So. Yeah, I mean, it's important to kind of understand that yeah, it's not just the federal government there. Now, the other thing that we wanted to point out was the areas that were soft in the report. Well, that included transportation, warehousing, that was down 6,900 jobs, and also retail trade down 11,200. Wasn't really surprised to see this. We've seen that dichotomy in the economy when it comes to services and goods. Both of those is based off of the good, uh, the goods type of economy that that has really slowed down substantially. Now, the participation rate remains stuck at 62.6% as it has been there now for four consecutive months. In February 2020, it was at 63.3%. We need more people working there. And while some may point to the younger generation not working, hear this a lot from people. (laughs) (laughs) I, I believe most of this actually stems from more people retiring. In fact, the prime age participation rate, which measures those between 25 and 54 years of age, rose to 83.5 percent it's at its highest level in 21 years overall i think this report provides more evidence we could see that soft landing we've talked about a lot as we've kind of seen inflation slow and the economy still grow not as fast but it's still kind of moving
0: along and i like this report because we still have growth in jobs but it's enough towards a pullback to where, and, and then also too, we talk about how it's slowing down, talk about those big numbers. Well, look at what the Fed Reserve has done over the last year, raised rates, what, about 5%, and we still have job growth. And and that's their big thing. The service sector worries them about inflationary on the services side. So I'm, I, I believe this number here is a pretty good number. I think we'll still see jobs growth in the service sector because we need more. Restaurants are very busy, people are traveling, but, I liked it because it's not a booming report, and I know I think next week we get CPI, I think comes out Tuesday or Wednesday, I believe it comes out. I believe so. Uh, yeah, and and, and, and so I, I'm hoping that this information is tamed enough to where the Reserve, when they meet, uh, I think they meet the end of July. Um, yeah. They meet a, like 10 it, times a year, I think yeah. so. Um, but uh, that it can be enough like, you know what? We've got a good CPI, good PCE, uh, not a super hot job market, we can pause again this time and not raise rates again. So I we want to get that balance, and and I think we have the, the 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 tools to maybe get that balance where we don't need to raise rates more. And,
1: and you know what's interesting? I was, I was listening to CNBC this week, and and um, Steve Leisman, I think, is his name. He's one of the reporters there. I like him as an economist. Yeah, yeah he's yeah. a pretty pretty good. Uh, he's, he's been a part of CNBC for quite a while there, but he was talking about how maybe actually job creation could help inflation. How's that? Because you look at the service economy, there's such a shortage of workers right. right now, you're not able to produce as much goods or services. So I mean you think about competition. If you have more barbers out there, let's say cutting hair, right, well, what's gonna happen? Well, now you're gonna have to compete with those barbers because you might have to lower prices to attract people into your shop. That helps with inflation. Like, huh, I haven't thought about it from that perspective. But you know, maybe actually if we could see more service job growth maybe that actually would be a benefit to inflation overall
0: and, and it does make a lot of sense because we talk about on the good side well if you produce more goods then the price will come down because there's more there a higher supply lower demand what's well, the same thing on the service sector you use the barber example if you have 10,000 barbers and you added 2,000 more barbers well they want to do more so they might well okay I need to have more business I'll cut my price you know from dollars down to $18, dollars will get more people coming in. So competition is good for the economy, uh, and it can work on the service side the same way it did on the good side. So that's a good point he brought up.
1: Yeah, no, I, I haven't thought about it from that perspective. And, I mean, that's why it's so important that that we read so many different things. We, we listen to different things yeah. because it gives you a fresh take, a fresh opinion of things where generally it's like, oh, my gosh, high job growth is terrible for inflation that's actually a good way to kind of take a step back and, and think about it from a different angle.
0: Yeah. And that's so important to be, And I, I've called it for years, critical thinking. You, you just don't, you've got to think things through and really analyze it and say, well, what, what, what can that be? And you can't just be one sided because you're, you're going to mess up when it comes to And all this comes up with investing because we still see, and, and, and I, I think the talk of recession has slowed down a lot, yeah. if not non-existent, which we said a year ago. Just don't see recession because of what we saw in the economy, what we're reading with the, the production of jobs and and goods and stuff, and that you know the people with jobs are you, you're you're going to keep spending if you have a job. So uh, it, it comes from all the what I call critical thinking about what is going on with the data that's released and and not uh, I call it strange data. You can always find somebody out there like, oh, the economy is going to collapse and we're going to go. I'll go to you know. Bitcoin <laughs> you
1: know? we, we, we've talked about this before where there's if you created like a, I'm gonna call it a, a scatter plot right scatter graph I forget the exact term where there's all the dots all over the yeah. place scatter yeah, there, yeah there's a, there's a lot of different things you can look at well there's a lot of data out there but right. if you fixate on one of those points in the graph yeah you can find something at any type of economy yeah. there's going to be something to worry about
0: yeah and and we pretty much uh, say focus for, uh information from the wall street journal from barron seeking alpha cnbc fox business i mean that that's where we get our information from not you know because you, you can read the 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 prospector out there the person that oh you gotta buy all gold because everything's going to collapse you know that the, the the the, doomsayers
1: the, the nice thing about the different outlets too is is they they, they give both sides many times yeah they do so, yeah I mean you have the Doomsday people on CNBC on yeah. Fox business and you listen to them and you know it, it's it, it, it makes you have to, I think, justify your reasoning as well. Like when those people come on and say, oh, that's an idiot. You, you know, I, I sit there, I listen to them, and I say, I think they're wrong because X, Y, Z. It, it makes you kind of challenge yourself and where your uh, thought process and, and where your data points are coming from versus their thought process. So it, it's a good kind of exercise, in my opinion.
0: Oh, yeah. I, and that's why I do like to listen and read other sides because you've got to hear that side. And sometimes they'll have a point or two that, yeah. That that was pretty good. So, well, let's stay on the the jobs market because also, too, I talked about the JOLTS report came out uh, last week as well. And that's the Job Opening Labor Turnover Survey, known as the JOLTS, showed job openings fell by 496,000 in the month of May to 9.8 million. While this may sound concerning, this level still produces 1.6 jobs per available worker.
1: Now, it's important to understand this remains above pre-pandemic levels and believe we can have job openings to continue to decline and still have a good labor market. Layoffs also remain little changed at 1.6 million. This is also still below pre-pandemic levels. I mean, again, you go back to 2019 layoffs average, it was either 1.8 or 1.9 million a month that year you know, we're still in a, a normalized type environment, nothing that's problematic. And also, too, we, we have this, this graph that we look at of the uh, ratio of job openings to available workers. And again, at 1.6, you look at the long term of that chart, for years it wasn't even above one. Right. I think I remember back in 2018, 2019, it went above one. It was a huge deal. We're like, wow, there's wow. more, than, <laughs> more <laughs> jobs out there than people that can work. That's a huge deal. <laughs> 1.6 jobs. It, it's... Plenty of work out there in the economy yeah
0: and 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 that does help because it can help get the raises uh, y- you know have people go to work uh, but one thing that it's not helping out is work from home productivity is I, I was interested to see this that came up from the BLS the Bureau of Labor Statistics uh, that you may hear some arguments from people that work from home about how productive they are but the data from the BLS well and they're known as the Bureau of Labor Statistics, states uh, otherwise. It was discovered that people working full-time from home put in two and a half hours fewer per day than workers who go to the office.
1: Now, if workers were to work at the same rate as they did back in 2019, our economy would be more productive and the labor shortage would be less problematic. It was estimated that if workers filled up offices at the 2019 rate and worked 8.2 hours per day, it would add roughly hold on here, 800 million <laughs> weeks of more work. That would be a nice boost to productivity. Now, maybe after COVID, people have become used to not working and have become lazy. And we were kind of talking about this beforehand is, you know, I was saying, you know, people are, oh, these millennials, they just don't want to work. Well, no, they're working as evidenced right. by the participation rate. But how hard are
0: they working is maybe yes. the question. Yeah, <laughs> And I think that has changed. And, and you know, we, we do post on social media and, uh, many different places, and uh, there are people say yes, I'm more productive at home. That is true. There are some people that can be more productive because they're disciplined, they're focused, and they are more productive at home. But that is not the norm. On average, people need to have a structured place to go to to work because there's many people, and and I worked from home before when I was. Uh, Starting the the business, I work from home, people go, I don't know how you do it. I mean, if I was at home, I'd be like, oh, I gotta go water the grass or I wanna clean up the closet. You know, I couldn't stay focused. And that happens when you are at home. If you're not a focused worker, you are not gonna be productive. And this, you know, uh, report did show that, that people are not productive at home.
1: (laughs) I was talking to a friend and he was telling me how he had two friends, husband and wife, that both work from home. And they laid turf in their backyard uh-huh. during a work day. <laughs> so I, it, it, it's, I, I mean, people kind of, I think, justify it in their heads a lot. No, I'm productive. And then oh, I'm going to go run and do some laundry. And I mean, there's a lot of stuff you can do while you're at home. I, I've, you know, had to work from home before. Right. And you're not as productive. I know personally I am not as productive. No. I am the first one to admit it. And. Because you, you're looking around, it's like, oh, maybe I'll play with the dogs for a little bit or, oh, yeah, no, I need to make the bed or oh, maybe I should, you know, just go make some food. And all of a sudden it's like, yeah, you've worked two and a half less hours because <laughs> you've
0: been doing other things. And, and I'll tell you my secret when I was, gosh, how many years ago? That's probably back in the 90s um, because I was, I was starting the investment business and I, I worked from home and you, you were young then. I was probably, I was probably in middle school middle school yeah and 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 what I, and I would get dressed up and times I'd wear a suit and tie I'd go downstairs to the office I would close the door and I would not go back inside the house part until okay five o'clock now now I'm done because if you don't do that you're gonna be like uh yeah I think i will you know go water the grass or oh you know what I'll clean the dishes or you, you'll do things that are because you're at home it's very hard to be at home and we've talked many times before too that's it's not as effective because you're not around people, you're you're, you're not around experienced people, you're not getting the experience. So I am totally against people working from home and I will apologize to people. There are some people that, yeah, maybe you do have that exceptional job to where you are better at home, but it's very few jobs. Most people are more productive at the office.
1: Or right, I have a friend, I was in uh, Arizona this past week and um, she's from San Luis Obispo. Yeah. And she and her husband moved to Arizona and the company she worked with wanted to keep her on staff and they offered to have her work from home because, well, maybe it made more sense for that company to say she already knows the business. She already knows what's going on there know we'll take the chance and we'll, we'll have her work from home rather than hire somebody else and train them up on, on doing what they're doing essentially so that kind of made some more sense to me i guess in, in terms of an option uh personally i i don't like working from home though so yeah. as I said but hey so it works for some people um but I, I do think there is a lot of loss for the individual working from home because they like said you're not learning as much there's no way you can learn from people that are more experienced you can't learn the business as well
0: from sitting on a computer. And here's another good thing, too. And by the way, let me open the phone lines. Uh, you know, for that unbiased, no strings attached, frontal opinion about what you want to talk about, 833 288 0973. That's 833 288 0973. And all lines are open. You want to talk about that equity, that stock, you're looking at buying, selling, or holding, investment questions. That's what we're here for. 833 833- two eight eight zero nine seven three but what i want to talk about was the team thing that we have at the office Mm -hmm. Uh, because when you're at home you got to do everything yourself now i've made it no secret that i don't know much about technology and i don't care because i'd rather focus on analyzing the investments and also talking to clients or potential clients when i have a technology problem uh brianna uh come here uh you know uh christine come here I want somebody to do that so I can focus on my thing. If you're at home, maybe you're not as productive because you gotta do that technology yourself, which might take you an hour to to figure it out where somebody else can do it in 10 minutes. So that took you off what your normal job is. So I, at our office, we do a team approach. Everybody has their specialty that they do. They can do it much better then you can do everything yourself. So that's one thing, too, at home you don't have. Yeah. No team.
1: And and the reason I think it is so important, too, is that the productivity is, in my opinion, so important. Because the productivity is, I think, what can really help with inflation. I, I mean, if you can create more productivity in the economy, that's when you can lower the prices of goods and services because you're able to produce more. Yep. I mean, it, it's a very simple equation when you actually break it down at the end of the day. And it, I was kind of thinking it doesn't really have to do from the work from home, but just productivity is in the service economy again. If you have a restaurant and you have people maybe calling out and they're not there to help with, you know, running this, and, you know, uh, my brother works at a restaurant or worked at a restaurant. Yeah, I he, he put in his, his time. He's playing football now. So he decided to. Pursue that career. Gross my college, it
0: Gross my college. Yeah. So,
1: but when he was working in the restaurant, he said, the amount of people that call in like last minute is, is shocking. Yeah. And as a business owner, I mean, what do you have to do then, maybe? Maybe you have to increase your wage to get somebody to come in that day right. to fill those roles. So now, again, that drives up the cost for the business. I mean, that's where a lot of times you have to look at how these little things can drive costs, the input costs and make things more expensive and create that inflation problem that we're seeing.
0: And one thing, too, the reason why we like productivity is that makes a company more profitable, Mm -hmm. which makes earnings go up, which makes the value of the company worth more, and we like that. So productivity is a way to increase shareholder value. Mm -hmm. So, All right, phone number's here, 833-288-0973. That's 833-288-0973. Let's go to San Diego and speak with Zach. Zach, you're on the Smart Investor Brent Chase. How can we help you?
2: Good morning, gentlemen. Just want to hear an update. I'm sure you've done it plenty of times, but want to get your thoughts on Amazon.
0: Amazon. Okay, let's see. I came up a different one than I thought it was Shopify, but uh, Amazon AMZN is theirs. And actually, we don't do that that often. I can't remember the last time we did the... Yeah, uh, I haven't looked at Amazon in quite a while. Yeah. Uh, I, I think people know that we're not that excited about it. But actually, when I was down around 100 or so, I was like, eh, maybe it was getting close to where we'd like it. But, but let's see what it is now. coming company, again, is Amazon, symbol is AMZN. They're in the internet retail. Only 1.1% float. Uh, this surprises me. Only 60% institutional owned. I thought it'd be higher than that. Well, their PE ratio is still very high, 312 uh, versus 500 for that industry. Price of sales, 2.5 versus 2 price to book value 10.1 versus 58.1 so that's a positive there and price of cash flows for amazon is 24.5 versus 19.6 peg ratio very good 1.2 versus 6. now the earnings over the last year for amazon are down 62.2 percent when the industry is up 10.6 percent the sales growth for amazon is only eight percent not as good as the industry at 18.8 so it looks to me like things are slowing down now the analysts don't seem to think that going forward, though, because they have a five-year earnings per share growth estimate of 72.5% uh, versus 51 for the industry. So uh, kind of numbers aren't matching up quite the way you think they would, which does kind of concern me. Amazon does not pay a dividend. Look at the balance sheet. Uh, current ratio 0.9 versus 1.3. Uh, their debt to equity 0.9 versus 0.8 above the industry. I remember there was a point where they had very low debt, but they seem to be adding more debt to their balance sheet. Uh, net profit margin, here's a problem, only 0.8%. Industry is negative, but gosh, you're making less than uh, a penny on every dollar that you, you uh, sell there. Return to equity, 2.8%. Uh, return to investment capital, 24 Not very good numbers there. Uh, They've really got to do some major things going forward. Now, I got some other comments. If I remember, I'll talk about the end, but I want to see what you have going forward.
1: Yeah, so current price here to start with for Amazon, again, ticker symbol AMZN, $129.78, 52-week high, $146.57, and the low, $81.43. I mean, it's had a great run so far this year, up 54.5%, just like a lot of the other technology companies out there. But this is, I'm going to say, kind of surprising. Three-year return, it's down 13.5% over the last three years. That is surprising. It, it yeah. hasn't really moved much. And the other thing I was going to point out is they have a $1.3 trillion market cap. And the reason I point that out is now Apple's at $3 trillion. Remember several years ago, who was going to be the first to a trillion, Amazon or Apple? Oh, yeah. Well, now Apple's really distanced themselves in yeah. terms of market cap. Going forward for Amazon, they are at the December 2024. I do see estimated earnings per share of two dollars and fifty-eight cents. I mean, it, it gives a target sell price here just forty-two dollars and eighty-three cents. Uh, it, it's expensive. I mean, it trades at a forward PE of still fifty point two times. It, it, it's it's pricey.
0: Yeah. It's pricey, and 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 uh, they still get a lot of business from uh, what AWS I think is uh, their um, their cloud services. Their cloud services, and 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 all the other businesses they do, they're not really that profitable. Uh, and we've talked about this in the past to where that profitability brings in other competitors. So eventually, like we're talking about earlier in the show with the barbers, you bring in more competition, prices have to fall. So this is why I worry about Amazon is that, will the retail business, and, and, and I've heard that the retail business almost loses money. I think if, it does. lose. I think money. they lose money. So that's their biggest thing, but yet they lose money on it. If the cloud service businesses does continue to be more competitive, that comes down. I, I just don't like it going forward because it's just it is it is a big thing and everybody loves the retail side but that's not profitable
1: and I have heard as well the uh, they have like more kind of advertising business and stuff but I think as you said it's such a small part of the business yeah. uh, I think they have other I'm going to say ventures out there as well that they're working on but I, I just don't see them being that meaningful for, for many many years and I've kind of heard how maybe AI will help them I, it just seems like everybody wants to use AI in any tech related right. company and I will say the hard thing with Amazon is those earnings are extremely volatile. I mean, because you're, you're looking at earnings growth for 2024 of like 65%. As you said, earnings fell last year, and it looks like they're going to be about flat this year. So, I mean, those earnings are all over the place. And now sales are are really, I'm going to say, kind of lackluster. Yeah. I mean, sales growth was like 8% over the last year. Well, next year, it's only a 9% growth rate for the estimate. I, I mean, it, it's, it's not growing the same way as it was, And I think Amazon could be one of those businesses where we look 10, 15 years down the road. Maybe they don't have a big collapse in the stock price, but, you know, maybe in 5, 10 years, it's it's trading at $150, $160 a share.
0: Yeah, trades in that range there for years to go. And I I saw that uh, Zach dropped off a call there, but um, uh, it's just with Amazon, it it has that hot name to it. And unfortunately, a lot of investors do based on looking in the rearview mirror on what it has done. Going forward, it just doesn't seem to have any potential going forward. The AWS, the cloud business, I think will slow down, not make money on retail. They come up with these new businesses, but these new businesses aren't profitable. Um, when things get tough, I just don't see how it's going to do well. And I think uh, best-case scenario for 10 years, it's going to trade somewhere around where it currently is until, and this has happened in history. Look at Microsoft back in what 2003, 2004, same thing. I mean, they, they, this happens with these growth companies. So
1: yeah, I I mean it, it's I I have Amazon Prime. I was a very late adopter of Amazon Prime. Right. Uh, I use it quite frankly now, so <laughs> it, it is uh you know it's like sixteen dollars a month or something, um but I I just I don't think it's enough for like a like a Costco type subscription that that's where really people and even Costco I mean. I, I, kind of going off topic here, but, oh, no, it's it's Amazon Prime is reoccurring revenue. Oh, the Costco membership is reoccurring. That doesn't mean I'm going to give them a 40, 50 times earnings multiple just because they have a subscription model. Right.
0: Well, and even Costco is expensive stock-wise, but they they do have, I believe, a set profit margin about 4.4% or something. So they do make profits off their products where Amazon sells them as a loss leader for, (laughs) I'm not sure what they're leading with or what they're going to follow up with but it is a great service um i don't get it i've thought about it but yeah. it's just like i haven't done it um but if it was profitable where they made even a two percent profit on it like wow then you want the high volume are they trying to do that are they going to increase the cost because you said 16 a month for prime now i think at one point it's like a hundred dollars a year yeah so i think they've raised that but still uh not enough to make it really profitable and and the more people order the less that profit is because you get what free delivery or w- what do you get something?
1: Uh, I think it's free delivery. And then you have know, like the they have the Amazon prime video, which actually right. has some good shows on it now, right. but then that's the the problem I've seen with Amazon. You know, when they're, they're talking about, you know, this was rumors, but the, the whole uh, cell phone type deal it almost seems like they're trying to get more stuff to justify charging more for prime, but they could find themselves all of a sudden where they, they acquire these other things. And it's like, Raise the cost of Prime to $30 a month. And I'm like, well, I don't want all that other stuff. I,
0: this is yeah. not worth
1: it to me anymore.
0: That's yeah, kind of like the cable channel. It's like, well, I don't want all that other stuff. Why am I paying for it? And then streaming came out. Like, I can get what I kind of want. Yeah. <laughs> so, all right. Uh, phone numbers, uh, 833-288-0973. That's 833-288-0973. I, I think we mentioned this last week, but we'll go in a little more detail this week. Uh, talking about the Bitcoin ETFs, uh, as I expected, all the excitement from Bitcoin ETFs has had uh, co- uh, ha- has had uh, cold water thrown on it by the SEC. Uh, the reason for the rejection was because the filings did not issue enough information about details of surveillance uh, sharing agreements. So they, they've got some problems here.
1: Yeah, and, and after the firm submit the application again, the SEC actually has another 15 days in which they can put it out for public commentary or return it again. Now, after that 15-day period ends, the SEC has up to 240 days to either approve or reject the filing. I, I just would not expect the SEC to move very quickly on this. And what does that tell you about the price of Bitcoin going forward? I just don't think you're going to see any major announcements, any exciting news. And it, it just—I know it's at like 30,000 or something right now, and it was at 20,000. So yeah, congratulations, gone from 20 to 30. Uh, still, what the high was like 70,000. Last I year. think 66000 think Yeah. So I I, I I, just don't think there's as much excitement for Bitcoin. And it's still, there has to be the money out there to to buy it, to drive the price higher. And we do know that the money supply has been contracting. I think that tells us, number one, there's less money out there. And I think there's less kind of free money that people are just going to throw at something that is as out there as Bitcoin. So I just don't see any way we get back to 70000 or
0: near that level within the next year. And we have talked before about- Or long term. Yeah, the, <laughs> the supply is 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 diminishing because people get it lost, they can't get it back, so the supply's not as big as it was, so the demand goes up a little bit, it can actually move the price of Bitcoin because there's less people having it. Um, but the other thing too, it's no secret that the SEC is against uh, this cryptocurrency. And the reason being, and people don't realize this, is that when people lose money, in an investment, what do they do? They cry and complain like, oh, I lost money, it's not my fault. The SEC, they want the government to come in and and make them whole. The SEC realizes this, like, we're not gonna do that this time. We are not going to back some pie in the sky type currency that we will eventually have to pay, you know, investors who lost their money for it because that's what they're there for. So they're making it very rigid, which you want that to happen because you don't want to lose money and why people say oh they the sec doesn't get it no they they get it and uh i think it was gary ginsler ginsler or was it powell that said uh we have a cryptocurrency ginsler yeah uh we have a cryptocurrency already you know it's called the uh the 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 the, the us dollar i do something just slipped my mind the the uh cb USD yeah CBDC yeah yeah yeah. so we don't need this other thing this has been and it has been for many years and still is a gambling chip that it only goes up there's no value to it at all it only goes up because more people want it and also what's funny is that they were talking too about like well this came out to be separate from the establishment so to speak well now they're all happy because uh, BlackRock Fidelity they're getting into it pushing up the price well we thought that's what you didn't want, yeah. but now, <laughs> you know, so it, it, it's just, uh, it's a gambling chip no secret. Uh, we'll say some management, smart investing show. We've been against this for forever. Uh, congratulations. If you made money gambling on it, but it will end one day. And again, it, it just keeps happening to where something crazy comes out. People goes up and this is always talk about how people lose money and wall street, black rock and so forth. They'll make money off of this. Investors probably will not.
1: Oh, well, and it, I'm going to go back to the regional banking crisis that, that we saw uh, what earlier this year. And, you know, people were all upset about, you know, or some people were upset about them bailing out those banks. Yeah. And, you know, I wasn't necessarily happy with them doing that above the FDIC limit because that, that's the rule that's in right. place. Well, you know— if people lost everything in Bitcoin, yeah, they're going to want to do the same exact thing. You're going to complain and it's not fair. And the government. So that's why I think the government's smart taking this approach of saying, no, we're not going to support anything yeah. here because once they put support behind it and it fails, now people want to say, well, no, you supported it. I want money back.
0: Yeah. As that's long cool. as
1: they have it this way, well, it fails. We were never, we never approved yeah. anything here.
0: Yeah. A support, a supported, approved that's going to be a problem because, well, you said it was good. You, you said it was safe, and and now you got to pay me because it I lost all my money on it. So uh, we do not like Bitcoin. No. I guess we're going to phrase it that way. All right, phone number's here, 833-288-0973. That's 833-288-0973. And I look over, I see all lines open, but I also do see that our financial planner, Harrison Johnson, is on the line. Good morning, Harrison. How you doing?
2: Good morning guys i'm doing well how are you doing
0: well good good i see today we're talking about understanding priorities as you near retirement that's a very important one because i don't think some people think about this
2: yeah so uh when someone is young earlier in their career they generally don't have a lot of assets yet so at that point working to earn an income is a huge priority you have to use that income to build your wealth as efficiently as you can using the right accounts, investing in the right type of assets, in many cases, leveraging debt correctly. But none of that really matters until you have the income to take advantage of, and usually that comes from working. As you accumulate more assets, the value of your work can start to experience diminishing returns, both emotionally and financially. The older you get, the more you want to spend time with your family and the less stress you want to have with your job on the emotional side, but also financially, the value you can create from managing and planning the assets you have can be a lot larger than what you can create simply by working. Especially since income from work is taxed higher than any other source of income. So for example, if you work and make $100,000 a year, after tax you might come away with 75 grand after working you know, 2,000 hours. If you have a million dollars in your 401k and make 10%, That's $100,000 of growth right there that took zero hours of work. So as you near retirement, you really need to make sure that you're managing your wealth correctly. I see a lot of people who are just spinning their wheels, believing they're doing the right thing, working really hard, but in reality, they're hurting themselves because they're not giving attention to the right areas. So some common examples would be Having assets not allocated appropriately, deferring income when you should be accelerating it or vice versa, using the wrong types of accounts, uh, mismanaging the debt that you have, investing in something that you don't fully understand, collecting social security at the wrong time, creating income sources from the or creating income from the wrong sources. So all these you know all these are, are examples that I see. Um, you know, everyone is thrilled when they get a raise, but meanwhile, they're making mistakes that are far more costly than the value of they get from that raise. So as you near retirement, don't put off getting your finances in order because you're too busy working, because in many cases, your money can work a lot harder than you can if you let it.
0: You know, in Harrison, it is a hard thing to do to set away that time to say, okay, I'm going to go in, I'm going to talk to Harrison about a financial plan, I need to do this. Well, no, I got I to gotta work because I, I can't miss work and so forth. But you are so correct that you take a a few hours to put together a plan that could save you many times more than you'd make in that few hours that you spend doing it
2: yeah and it's not even necessarily you know come and talking to me you know i i that's what i do i help people with this but i mean i i just see it so often where um people are like oh i got to work i got to work i got to work cuz that's what they've done their whole lives you know they work to make money and that's where they get the cash flow so that's that's where they see the priority. But, you know, the older you get or the more assets that you get, the priority really needs to be, well, am I doing the right things with the assets that I have? Not necessarily purely working because your assets now can, can add a lot more value for you. And I, I see so often that, um, you know, people make mistakes that they're not aware of and they're they're kind of leaving things by the wayside and they're they're really missing out on a lot of opportunity only because their priority is just a new work, right?
0: Right, and it's a good thing. I don't want to say work's a bad thing, but <laughs> but, but you do It's a definitely man. not. it's yeah. Definitely not.
2: Yeah, I mean, working working is always going to be a good thing. More income is always better than less income. It's just you know it, it's relative, and you know when you're young, working is really really important. As you get older, there's other things that you need to understand and, and make a priority as well. Because I mean, at the end of the day. Hopefully you enjoy your job and you enjoy working, but the reason that you work is to make money. That's why you have to get paid to do it. Otherwise you just volunteer for whatever you want to do. So you're gonna exert the effort to work and use money, make sure at least you're using that money correctly. And then once you have the money, you know, um, manage it correctly and making make sure it's working as hard as it can for you.
1: And I will say the older people generally have more money than younger people, obviously. So you're right, the, the, the mistakes you make can be more costly, but also for the young people, if they don't have a good plan in place, mm. you miss out on the biggest benefit of compounding, which could be the biggest savior, so to speak, and actually cost you the most if you don't do it efficiently early on.
2: And That's and that's exactly true. When you're young, the priority is different. You have to know how to use the income, put it in the right places, save it in the right places, use it to acquire the right assets, take advantage of compounding. So you're, you're understanding how to use that income. And then when you're older, you have to understand how to use those assets. So planning is necessary in both parts to make it efficient. Um, you just have to understand where those priorities are. Great.
0: Well, Harrison, thank you very much. I appreciate it. And uh, have a good day. We'll see you on Monday. All right, thanks guys. We'll see you Monday. Okay, bye bye. All right, uh, again, that's Harrison Johnson, our financial planner. is a CFP. Uh, he is on a salary. He is a fee based planner, uh, does not try to sell you annuities or life insurance. He really does do a financial plan for you. You can get a free consultation with Harrison by simply going to our website, smartinvesting2000.com. Again, that's smartinvesting2000.com. You can call him at the office, 858. 858- five four six four three oh six that's eight five eight five four six four three oh six and just uh i think he's number four or five on the prompt for uh for that and just uh give him a call and talk to him yep Alrighty. phone numbers here eight three three two eight eight zero nine seven three that's eight three three two eight eight zero nine seven three and chase i know you got an email uh on your phone from a greg wants to talk about uh oz which is uh bellpoint. uh do you have that email i can just read it real quick there or? yeah i mean it's pretty pretty
1: similar pretty, pretty, to what you said yeah if just you want think bell it's ball. appropriate to review on air please look at uh bell Point oz yeah uh, so we'll, we'll take a look at that there.
0: okay and it's funny because i looked at this and i gave it to harrison uh because this one does have where you can roll money over uh like a ten what's 10 1031. 1031 exchange and not pay the tax. I thought, well this could be a a great thing for us. Well I looked at it and I started looking at it when one it's a hundred dollars a share. Mm-hmm. Uh I'll just jump ahead a little bit to kind of take you. It's now eighty six dollars a share. So not a good thing. We'll still look at it, kind of analyze it because I've been doing that and I'm just not I don't have that comfort feeling with it. I want to because it it could be like wow this to be great for our clients yeah. but not if we save them taxes but they lose money on the investment so we'll take a look at, uh again bell point uh, uh symbol is oz oz they're in the real estate development area uh about point or about two percent uh, short uh 40 institutional owned uh no p e ratio price of sales 192 versus 0.6 uh price tangible book value one versus 13 that's pretty good No price to cash flow, no pig ratio. Uh, Earnings per share growth, nothing there. Sales growth over the last year up 26%. That's positive. Venus was down 12.2. Does not show a dividend yield. Now again, this is a REIT, um, but I I thought they did have a dividend yield, but it's not showing up here. Uh, We do send the balance sheet here. Current ratio 6.8 versus 2.4. That's a positive debt to equity shows zero which is a a good positive net profit margin a negative 543 percent versus a positive 4.3 and return on equity a negative 2.6 return on investment capital negative 2.5 the the numbers just don't make me feel comfortable uh do you have things going forward on this week chase what do you No,
1: i mean there's nothing really here in terms of the numbers i mean uh 52 week high for this uh uh, Reit investment, I'm going to call it, $100.95. The low is $81.03. Current price, as we said, is $86.10. I mean, if you look at the the chart for this, it, it only goes back to 2021. So, I mean, that's something else that is, um, I'm going to say, a little concerning, is there there's not a lot of data on mm-hmm. it. So, through different types of market cycles, unfortunately, there, there's nothing really to, to look at how it can perform during those periods. And the thing you have to understand is, the investments actually of are in properties, but they're located in qualified opportunity zones for the development uh, or redevelopment of like multifamily, student housing, senior li- living, healthcare, industrial, self-storage, st- hospitality, office, mixed use, data centers. So, I mean, they have all these different types of real estate options that they have, but opportunity zones many times are not in the best locations.
0: Like, yeah. And, and, and I, I gave this to you too, and it was like months ago I looked at it and I just you weren't too excited about it here's on too excited about it i just like i i, I want to like this but I, I remember the holding period was very long to not pay taxes so if and what it was the big, the big benefit i saw was that if you had a a house that you you bought 20 years ago uh, as a rental you want to get out but you don't be a landlord any longer you had a four hundred thousand dollar you know gain you could roll it over into bell point not pay the taxes but there were certain holding periods you had to do on it. But I liked it because we hate private deals. This was a public deal. We can see it. Now, the good thing is you can see it. The bad thing is we don't like what we see. Um, So, I mean, I'm still kind of watching it. I still think about it. I would just not recommend it at this point in time. Um, But I like the concept being public, but I just don't want to put any of my client's money or my money into it uh, at this point in time.
1: Yeah, it's definitely not what I was kind of because ho- it'd be great if you could even hold that value, let's say it just stayed at $100. If you could hold that value and kind of do a little tax planning around that, and I think that's almost the objective, is to kind of have it be around a $100 a share, but obviously it's falling <laughs> at some point close to 20%. I mean, you're you're better off paying the taxes than eating a 20% loss, and then paying taxes maybe the following year. I mean, it, that's a double loss, I'm going right. to say. and Because we, we're not big fans of like the DSTs, uh, the one of the Delaware statuary trusts yeah that's one out of the way you can kind of defer some of these taxes but I, it's just I, I personally a lot of times I see you you're either kind of stuck yep. in the real estate or paying the tax is really your only option I it's, 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 it's a hard place to be in because you have all that recaptured depreciation yep. and and I know why a lot of people look at doing something to avoid the taxes because they can be so costly but as i kind of said you're, you're either stuck or you pay the taxes Is many times
0: what i found to be the two best options and yeah and i was gonna say that as well i mean sometimes it's better just pay the taxes and and take the hit and reinvest the money and take the income from it if that's what you need but it's just uh it's hard because nobody wants to pay taxes but you know um i i was just talking to somebody that's a landlord and all of a sudden they lost a tenant like oh shoot i yeah. gotta
1: find another tenant. It's a very hard situation to be in because I know I've talked to Harrison about this before and ran the numbers for some people. And the taxes is such a big hit that you may be able to generate cash flow on rents of like, I'm going to say like a 6% yield. But by the time you, you pay all the taxes, we can pay a 6% distribution rate. All of a sudden, you only have like a 2-3% distribution rate because of all the taxes you paid. So I understand the the issue that some people will run into. I mean, I hate to say it, but sometimes you're almost stuck in real estate where you got to look at maybe buying another single family home, which is hard now yeah. because real estate's still expensive. But, you know, maybe you look at buying a home and hiring a property manager. It's... It's a tough spot to be in yeah. sometimes. When you're, when you're in real estate for 20, 30 years, it, it's great. You got all those tax benefits, but you got to pay them back or you keep holding real estate.
0: <laughs> and, and I do know that Harrison has done some analysis for, for clients that came in and their return on investment with their current property was like 2%. Yeah. Uh, by selling that property, taking the tax hit, and investing it, you did far better. So you got to look at each case individually. And, and don't forget, too, that, I mean, as a property gets older, I mean, what appreciates is the land. You have a depreciating asset on appreciating asset because the building depreciates. It gets old, costs more maintenance, more repairs. You get a bad tenant. You lose a tenant. I mean, all these things can happen. Uh, sometimes people just say, I'm, I'm done. I, I've made money on it. That's the thing, too. You you paid, we'll say, 100000 for the house and you sell it for 900000 Yeah, you paid tax on it, but you still did very well over that time frame. If you just don't want the hassle anymore, you invest it and, and you're done. Yeah. So. So, all right, phone numbers, 833-288-0973. That's 833-288-0973. Let's go to San Marcos and speak with Mel. Mel, you're in the Smart Investor Brent Chase. How can we help you?
2: Hi. Uh, yeah, hi, Wiltsies. Glad to talk to you and uh, hope you had a good Fourth of July. Well, thank you. Oh, you too. And, uh, yeah, and I was calling about uh, Devon Energy uh, just looking at it, thinking that maybe uh, economy and oil was going to do well in the next year, say.
0: Okay, so sounds like you don't hold it. Looks like you're looking at. It. Is that correct, Mel? Uh, yeah, I'm looking at possibly buying some uh, okay. DVN. And- okay, so yeah, let's say it's a the Devon Energy symbol is DV, and They're in the oil and gas ENP industry. Uh, float on it, not very much, two point seven percent institutional ownership, seventy six point six percent nice pe ratio of 5.3 even below the industry at 5.6 price to sales 1.7 about the same as industry at 1.6 price to book value 3.1 versus 4.8 and price to of cash flow 3.8 versus 3.6 and unfortunately no peg ratio uh, going forward Now, we do see the earnings were up uh, 16.2% of last year. Pretty good, but the industry is up 29.5. Sales over the last year were up 11.7%, also not quite as good as the industry growth of 13.6. The five-year estimated growth from the analysts uh, is a negative 2.9%, which is not as good as the industry growth of a negative 1.2%. You do get a very nice dividend here of 9.2%. They only use 55% of earnings to pay that out. So that is a positive look at the balance sheet current ratio 1.1 versus 1.5 debt to equity 0.6 same as the industry net profit margin 31.4 better than the industry at 28.6 and while wow, return to equity 55.4 versus 30 for the industry chase what do you got. So current price here for Devon
1: Energy, again, ticker symbol DVN, $48.85, 52-week high here, $78.82, so we've seen a nice little pullback here, and 52-week low is $44.03. I see year-to-date the stock is down 18%. Over the last one year, it's down 1.7%, but wow, look at this, the last three years, 482% gain. So Ooh. obviously benefited from the higher oil prices. Going forward, though, to December 2024, I do see estimated earnings per share of $6.64. That would give us a target sell price of $110.22. So I mean, that looks very attractive. Trades at a 4 PE of 7.3 cents, uh, 7.36, excuse me. The hard part with energy is right now we, we saw the peak last year, and Devon Energy's earnings are estimated to fall 27% this year because obviously you're coming off such a high peak now are people going to i'm going to say start to worry more about those earnings declines but i think what's going to happen is you're going to have the declines and i think it's going to be flat to maybe growing again in the low sing- single-digit range i don't think we're going to see energy fall off a cliff anytime soon so you know we were really high on energy back in you know 2020 2021 last year when things started to go crazy i was like, eh, it's looking like it's kind of starting to peak out quite a bit and now things have pulled back. It, it's starting to kind of get back in, I'm going to say, that tempting zone.
0: Right. And and, and I like uh, – we'll, we'll talk more about uh, uh, pairing back because that's something I want to talk about after we let Mel go here. But uh, I, I'd want to know more what Devin does because I, I, I don't know if they're a driller. I think they're a driller or something.
1: Said they're the largest uh, – independent exploration and production company, one of the largest, largest. exploration and production,
0: production companies, companies in North America. And and that, I believe, can be very risky because if you start drilling and you can't find anything with dry mm-hmm. holes, you're going to come up not doing very well. With it all said, I, I, I think the energy industry is still a pretty good place to be because a couple of things are changing uh, going forward. Uh, China has been reopening. They're going to have more demand for oil. The The... the War in Ukraine. I think that is kind of uh, coming to an end. I think in soon because this whole coup that they had from the the and Russia. I think Russia is having some major problems. I think we could see an end maybe this year on that, which would I think help oil. I and, think it would hurt oil
1: um, because when there, you'd have more potential supply
0: if you have Russia being more accepted in, in well, the world. Well, the, the the bad part with with russia was that actually they've still been putting that oil out there going around and about to get out there so so it would not change right they
1: put it out at a discount i guess so a discount
0: yeah so that yeah so it, it's one thing but the other big thing too is that here in the united states we got to refill our strategic oil reserves so yeah. I, I think the demand for oil going forward is still going to be high uh on that so uh, mel i i like the concept of the company I I would if I was going to buy this, I probably would just want to know more about the business. You know, how are they being successful getting oil? I think being oil going forward is probably not a bad place to be, especially. What did I say the dividend was like nine percent or something? Uh, Pretty good uh, pay while you get while you're waiting there. Uh, What was it nine
1: point two? And I I would want to make sure too that they have good diversified locations. I like the larger oil companies just because. As you said, if you miss on one, I mean, it, it could completely destroy the company. But if you have several different locations, I was just kind of like a <throat> diversified portfolio, so to speak, yeah. where you're not betting big on, on one thing to hit. If they have a
0: problem with one rig, let's say, it, it's not going to destroy the company. Right, right. So I I, I think they're pretty big. What's their market cap? You said $31 billion? Yeah. So yeah, it's good. not a small company. Yeah. yeah. So, well, I, I think it's worth the research uh, there, Mel, and, and uh, just find out more about the company and maybe, you know, do the investment there. All righty. All right, thanks. Okay, Mel, thanks for calling. Have a good one. Bye bye. You too. Bye bye. Bye.
1: You know, it was interesting. I actually saw this video this morning from um, Dan Crenshaw, and he was talking about EVs versus, you know, internal combustion engines. Ice, as call called. Ice, yes. And he was talking about, because of the worries over climate change and so forth, how there is so much. In the manufacturing of evs they have to remove like 500,000 pounds of of 500 million pounds or something crazy to build one ev uh, of earth and the break even point for the ev to catch up with the ice and t- because of the manufacturing cost of the, the climate change of you know the gasoline and and the, right. the, the the mining and so forth of all those goods is about 70,000 miles oh wow so but you are not helping the climate necessarily for 70,000 miles. Yeah. So actually, if we have a big boost in EVs, it could actually hurt the climate is his argument. I haven't done my own research. So full disclosure there. Look into those. An interesting thing that uh, he brought up and I have heard this before because we do have in our portfolio refiner, and they've talked about the renewable diesel being more climate friendly than EVs because of the cost of the manufacturing to the climate for EVs.
0: And I've seen that uh, analysis a, a different way as well on the cost and the time frame of years. I think it was about 4.4 years was the break-even. Uh, and I did see this past week we had reports from uh, General Motors, Toyota, uh, on on their car sales, and EVs are becoming more. I think it's about 4 maybe 5% of their total sales. So they are becoming more, but it, I think there is a misunderstanding. They're like, oh, right away, I'm I'm helping the environment. Eh, not not really. Now, long term, I guess it does. You know, it might take some time, seventy thousand miles or four years. Um, but in the meantime, things can change. And what about the biodiesel? There's other alternatives that may be better than the EVs. And I have said this before. I I do believe down the road we'll have EVs, we'll have biodiesel, we'll have oil, we'll have all. You'll have an option of what you yep. want to do. It's not going to just be because right now. Well, 10 years ago, you could just buy a gas car. Now, 10 years from now, you're going to have your option of which one you want to buy. Biodiesel, you know. Yeah. Gas, yeah.
1: And it, it was interesting, too, because he brought up that, you know, a lot of the mining happens in one of the most dangerous com- uh, countries in China. China. And they don't care about the climate. So <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if their mining is climate-friendly necessarily, but it, it's, you know, it, it's something that I, I think is, is worth consideration. And I bring it up because, you know, I still think that that oil and gas has a place in our society. And as you said, it's a balance. And that's why I'm not afraid to invest in an oil and gas company.
0: Yeah. And and also, too, oil and gas is not just used in in cars. It's used in plastics and asphalt. And uh, there's hundreds of different things that you use petroleum in. And uh, I still think we're many, many years away from having electric planes. I just would not want to get on an electric plane. Well, you got
1: to think about the the, number one, the time frame to test it. Number two, the time frame to have mass adoption of people saying, "Yeah, I've watched some people go up in it, and I feel." I'll tell you what, I would not be one of the first probably million people even to go on an electric plane. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And, and just think about the thrust that it takes for, I mean, the battery would have to be huge to do that. I mean, to, to, to match and a jet engine.
1: And the profitability, because you would have to probably have more capacity for the batteries. So what does that mean? Probably less room for people to people, sit. Yeah. So that's not a profitable venture for
0: airlines. Yeah. And it may never happen. I, I don't know. I mean, you never can really say never, but yeah. it just seems like it'd be impractical to put a... Uh, a plane on a a, on a battery it it just seems like it wouldn't be enough well they have it's called saf
1: sustainable aviation fuel and it's like the the renewable diesel so they they use renewable products to create saf which is for airplanes and and it's again a i'm going to say a climate friendly alternative for people
0: right and one thing i wanted to say when uh but i'm going to hold mel on the line but but just a a a tip that we kind of have for For people is that when we did do very well last year in energy, uh, we looked at the concentration part and the portfolio and we pair it back is what we do. We see uh, generally start looking when a position becomes about 12 percent of the portfolio, say, okay, let's pair this back a little bit. Uh, We'll look at the situation on the portfolio. We'll look at, you know, what the the business is doing. Uh, But it's important that when you do well on something to pair it back.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, well, and sometimes people confuse that with, oh, I'm going to take gains because I'm up 30%. Yeah. You don't want to take gains on the portfolio, but you do, as you said, want to manage the concentration of it because if all of a sudden you have 12% of it, yeah, maybe you can sell some of that off and buy something else that could could create a, a, a better opportunity, let's yeah. say. So you want to understand the concentration, not just, I, I hate when people say, oh, take gains, take profits. When do you take profits? When you're up 20%, 100%? <laughs> At what point, you know?
0: There's a closing bell. I wasn't ready. <laughs> I just went by quick there. Well, thank you for listening to the Smart Investing Show. It is for informational person only and should not be used as investment advice. If you'd like to discuss in more detail your investment needs, have other investment questions, feel free to call myself Brent Wilsey or Chase Wilsey at 858-546-4306. That's 858-546-4306. And be sure to visit our website, smartinvesting2000.com. Again, that's smartinvesting2000.com. A lot of great information there. Sign up for the newsletter there. Newsletter goes out every Friday at 5 o'clock. A lot of great stuff there. So thanks for listening. We'll be back next week right here with the Smart Investing Show.
2: I did all that. And may I say.